I've got one of those credit cards that has a cash back option. So I get a certain percentage of cash back depending on if I'm buying groceries or gas or that sort of thing. And so my wife, Laura, and I, uh, we put a lot of charges, monthly charges, recurring charges on this credit card each month. Uh, we pay it off each month, but and then we collect the cash back uh, option that, that comes back to us, which means that at the end of the month, I'm online on the website for my credit card, just kind of scanning through the charges, making sure they're all, you know, lining up. There's nothing fraudulent and that sort of thing. And so I've kind of gotten into a routine doing that. Until recently, I went to the website uh, to, you know, reconcile my credit card, and I got there, and the layout had changed. Uh, I know that's minor to some people, but it really bugged me and freaked me out. I was kind of upset about that because I'd just gotten into a flow, and now everything's changing. And so I was a little upset about that, but then I noticed that there was an option that said, you know, if you don't like the new layout, then you can click on classic mode and it'll go back to the way that it was. And so I'm like, well, that's good. I'm glad that they did that. So I clicked on classic mode. So I've been doing my monthly thing like I, I had been doing. And, and then I recently discovered that classic mode is no longer an option. And so I have to do the new mode, which uh, I've started doing that, but it's driving me crazy. So I'm not all the way there yet. I haven't made the mental shift to say that this is the new normal. Has anything like that ever happened to you in your life to where uh, just when you get down a, a certain routine or a pattern, something comes along and it changes and you don't really have a time to adjust to that. You have to jump into the new normal, but you haven't physically or more, more to the point, uh, mentally or emotionally kind of bought into that transition. And so we kind of go into that new beginning in a defiant sort of manner. Well, if that's ever happened to you or you think it might happen to you or you're struggling with that right now, that's what we're going to be talking about today how we start things, start new things, uh, before we're ready to do that. How do we wrap our minds around that, and how do we make that transition? Uh, as Kevin said, we are in this series of messages on transitions, and we've talked about in any transition that we go through in our life, there are three major steps. There is an ending, something has to end that we have to let go of. There is a new beginning that starts, and in between that, there's this thing called the neutral zone to where we weren't quite where we were, we're not quite yet where we're going, and so we're in this kind of neutral zone. We talked a lot about that last week. So think of it in terms of a circus performer up on the trapeze. You have to let go of the one trapeze, and you have to grab hold of the next one, and in, in between that, you're kind of floating through midair. Well, we're talking about today grabbing hold of the next trapeze before we might be ready to make that transition to whatever it is that God's called us to do to start. We might be there sooner than we had hoped to be. So if you are have started something, getting ready to start something, you just think you're not ready for, you're, you haven't been able to wrap your mind around it, you know, this message hopefully will give you some good news. And we do have some good news about new beginnings uh, all throughout the Bible, and we're going to turn to the Bible today to seek God's wisdom about how we can make new beginnings in our lives, especially when we might not be ready for them. We're going to be today in the New Testament in the book of Acts. Acts is really short for Acts of the Apostles, really the actions of the Apostles. The apostles were early leaders of the church. They started the Christian church in the first century. An apostle means to be sent out in the name of Jesus, sent out to tell people about Jesus. So the book of Acts is about how the Christian church started, the actions of the apostles. It was originally uh, written by the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. And, and originally, Luke and Acts were all just one big 
big book put together. Uh, but when the Bible got put together, the people who put the Bible together chopped it in half and they put Luke's gospel with the other gospels and kind of put Acts after that. So anyway, that's where we are. And we're going to be in the first century. We're going to meet a man named Saul. And Saul is a Jewish religious leader, and he's a very devout follower of God. And he is very adherent to the Jewish religion that we find in our Old Testament. And Saul has learned that there is a new movement in in Judaism, uh, and it's centered around a man named Jesus. And Saul has a problem with this because people are saying, you know what? Jesus now is, is the way that God has revealed himself. We need to follow Jesus, and we, we don't have to follow the Old Testament, which was their only Bible then as much. And, and Saul has a real issue with this. He's like, look, God gave Moses 613 commands. To be Jewish means we follow 613 commands. We don't start ignoring any of these commands. What are you, crazy? we got to follow a guy who says he's the son of God, and we just have to believe in him, and that's all we need to do. You guys are crazy, and you're blasphemous, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut down what you're doing. And so Saul really believed that the Christian movement was blasphemous. And so he used to go and have the Christians arrested. Some of them were executed because of their faith in Jesus. And so Saul, he's adamant in, in doing this. And I know we look back and we think, well, what's the big deal, Saul? You know, what? why you got to be in your bonnet, dude? You know, what's going on? What's the problem here? But That'd be like me coming in today and saying, you know what, everything that I've talked to you about Jesus, you've learned about Jesus, ignore, throw it out the window. You know, get rid of your Bibles. We don't need those anymore. We're not going to come to worship anymore. Don't go to your small groups anymore. We're not going to do communion anymore. No baptisms, no confirmations. Forget about it all. That's all stuff in the past. God has made a new revelation to the world. And this time, it's not God's son, but God has sent his daughter into the world, and her name is Helga, and she is a wealthy, powerful corporate attorney who was in Wall Street. And she has been revealing who God really is, and people really have reacted against that, and so they trumped up false charges against her, and she was electrocuted in the electric chair. And what we need to do is stop going to church and we need to start going into the courtrooms on Thursday afternoons and forget about reading the Bible. We need to read the legal briefs that Helga wrote. And at the end of that time, we're going to eat some charred meat because it reminds us of her being charred in the electric chair. Right? Now, if I said that to you, what would you say to me? You are nuts, Kyle. Right? That's exactly what Saul thought the people were doing with Jesus. This is the son of God. We've got the written laws of God right here. How can he be the son? of? We're going to supposed to eat his body and drink his blood. You people are whacked out and you deserve to go to jail. Right. And so Saul was on fire for this. And so that's where we pick up the story today. He is going after these Christians who are messing up religion. So we're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter nine, starting with verse one. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. Right? Synagogues were where Jewish people gathered to study the law and, and do religious things. Damascus is a city in Syria. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way. Interesting thing, the Christian movement was originally not called the church, it was called the way. No way, way, right? You just you expect the word dude to be in there. And so, uh, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So it was called the way, the followers of the way. 
whether they're men or women, so that Saul might take them as prisoners back from Damascus, back to Jerusalem, the capital of Israel. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. So Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus, and for three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So we see the man named Saul begin to go through a transition. He is going to end his persecution of the Christian church the way because he has seen Jesus in person directly and Jesus told him to stop it. He said, stop persecuting me. Stop persecuting my church. And then Saul was blinded and he was sent to Damascus to wait. So this was Saul's neutral zone. He's not where he's going yet. He's not where he had been. This is the time for him to hang out in the neutral zone. He's blind for these three days. In the meantime, God goes and appears to a man named Ananias. He says to Ananias, I want you to go to Damascus. I want you to go to this certain street. You're going to find a man named Saul there. He's blind. I want you to lay your hands on him so that he can see again. Ananias said, that's great, God. There's just one problem. Is that the same Saul that's having the people who follow Jesus uh, arrested and killed? Because if it is, I'm not so keen on going and doing this for you. And of course, this is me paraphrasing, by the way. Uh, of course, God says to him, no, I need you to go. It is the same guy, but I have plans for him. I'm going to use him to take the message, the gospel of Jesus out into the world to everyone who is not a Jew. Right, a Gentile, someone who's not of the Jewish faith. God had Peter and the other disciples who were taking the gospel to the Jewish people. They were Jewish. Now he's going to send Saul out into the world to tell people about Jesus who were not Jewish. And so Ananias reluctantly goes. He finds Saul. He lays hands on him on his face. And it says that something like scales fell off of his eyes and Saul could see again. Uh, and then Ananias baptizes Saul in the name of Jesus. And so Saul is born again. Eventually, he changes his name from Saul to Paul, which symbolizes his brand new start in Jesus. And Saul starts to go out and he starts to witness for Christ. And we jump back in in the gospel, I mean, the book of Acts chapter 9. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. And at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priest? Right? Isn't this a guy who's killing Christians? Is he like doing some kind of undercover sting here? What's going on? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful, and he baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. And of course, Saul slash Paul is going to go on and he's going to found churches all over the Mediterranean world. He's going to write the churches lots of letters that become most of the New Testament. And he's going to help accelerate the, the Christian church faster than probably anybody. And so it's just dramatic transition that Saul has as he becomes Paul. And so we ask ourselves, well, so what? 
So what does that mean for us in the 21st century in South Park? And we're not Jewish and, you know, we're not blind. What's, you know, so what's the point? What does this have to do with transition in our lives? I think that we can learn an important lesson from, from Saul's journey that applies to our lesson as we deal with transitions. And, and this is what I think the so what kind of moment is. To complete the transition, begin the new mission. To complete whatever transition we've been on through the ending and the neutral zone, we must begin the new mission that God is calling us to. To complete the transition, we must begin the new mission. Now, you're probably thinking, well, duh, that's not rocket science, Kyle. We could figure that out. And that's absolutely true. But there's, there's a distinct nuance here with the word begin, as in begin the new mission. William Bridges, who's the secular modern-day guru of transition, says that there is a difference between starting something and beginning something. There's a difference between starting something and beginning something. And this is how William Bridges defines that. He says that to start something is to do the physical act of starting something. I graduate from high school. I start college. I drive to the college, I live in the dorm room, I go to classes, I, I take notes, I take tests. That's the physical start. I graduate from college, I go and I start a new job. I report for work on my first day, my first week. I meet the new people, I have my desk, I begin to do my work. I start at church as an intern. I come and stand in front of people and say, would you please stand and see, right? We start uh, something as a physical act. Right? Now, he said to begin something means that we make an emotional and a psychological commitment to what we're doing. Right? So I have started using my credit card's new website. I have not committed psychologically or emotionally to it in warm, fuzzy manner. Right? So I have not begun to embrace the website that I have with my credit card. Do you see the difference? Right? When I was first ordained as a pastor, I started out in my local church that the bishop sent me to. I did sermons. I made visits. Right, I started, but it took time for me to emotionally and psychologically feel confident enough that this is exactly where God needed me to be. I needed to have experience and have a chance to, to preach to real people and to teach real people and to deal with conflict in the church and to deal with drama in the church. And I, I think a defining moment for me was when I went through the dying process of one of our older members. And as I sat with her and her family through the weeks and the months of her, of her last years of her life and, and being with her when she died and then having her memorial service, I think after that, I was emotionally and psychologically all in for Jesus. I, I had begun my ordained ministry. So there's things that we start and there are things that we begin. So I would ask you today, brothers and sisters, what have you started that you need to begin? What have you started in your life that you need to begin? You've grabbed hold of the trapeze, but you've got to own that thing. You've got to make it yours. What have you started that you need to begin? And beginnings are weird things. You know, a lot of times we pray for a new start. We pray for a new bidding, a new chapter, a new relationship, a new job, whatever it is. And, and we're excited about that. And when it comes, it scares us to death and we're not ready to embrace it. 
We're, we, we, we get sucked into it. We're not ready for that. I love what Kevin and Claire said last week when I interviewed them. They said that we should never complain about an answered prayer. Right? We should never complain about an answered prayer. And, and so when, when we pray for things and they begin, sometimes we're hesitant. Right? And we begin to complain, well, I'm not ready. I'm not sure if this is the right decision. And you know, why is it that we have such a hard time having that new beginning? I think sometimes we haven't let go of the ending, right? We didn't end well, and we're still hanging on to the past that God is calling us to let go of and to move forward. Sometimes we are in the neutral zone, and we've become so comfortable in the neutral zone that we like just kind of hanging out. We weren't where we were. We're not where we're going. We like kind of just hanging out here, and it's comfortable, and we're not yet ready to begin again. I think sometimes we're scared to begin uh, because we're afraid that we're not qualified. Well, I'd love to start the new job. I'd love to start the college class. I'd love to start this relationship. But I'm afraid that when I do, they're going to figure out that uh, I'm not good enough to be here. I don't have what it takes. I'm all smoke and mirrors. And they're going to figure out that, that I just I don't, I don't belong here. And it's going to be a crash and a burn. I want to hang out in the neutral zone longer. And sometimes we're afraid for the new big beginning because we feel guilty. Well, man, I don't deserve this job. I don't deserve to be in this relationship. I don't deserve to live in this place. Right? I, I don't deserve to, to serve God in this place. It's, I just, I'm not good enough for that. And so we feel guilty about that. What is holding you back from beginning what God has called you to begin? And how do we begin? What does the healthy beginning look like? And I... I really think it's important that we have gone through the first two phases in a, in a healthy way, that we've had a healthy ending and we've had a healthy time in the neutral zone to own the zone as we talked about it last week. And so if you missed those first two discussions, I'd, in, I'd invite you to go to our website, southparkchurch.com, and check that out. I don't have all the time today to cover that again, but it's important. Before we can have a new beginning, we have to have a healthy ending. And we have to have a healthy time where we own the zone, own the neutral zone. So that's a, that's a big part of that. If we haven't done that well, then it's going to be hard to have the new beginning that God's calling us to have. Right? Now, there's one thing from the neutral zone, though, that we talked about owning the zone last week that can carry forward to today and having that new beginning. And those are the four P's we talked about last week. And we'll throw those up on the screen here. Uh, we need a purpose. Why are we in this transition? Why are we letting go? Why are we taking hold of something new? What, what is that? We need a picture. What does it look like? Where is God calling us to be? What is it going to look like? And, and, and what does that look like that God's calling us to do? Right? What's our plan to get there? We have to deal with the letting go, the ending. We have to deal with the neutral zone. We have to plan to move into the new beginning. And then finally, what's my part? What's my role? Right? God, you've got me here. What is it that you need me to do specifically so that I can start doing that and get my head around that and really give it all that I have? Right? We need to begin the new mission. Right? What have you started that you need to begin? Brothers and sisters, what neutral zone do you need to exit right now? What neutral zone in your life do you need to exit right now? What have you started that you need to begin? What have you started that you need to begin? Another great example of the difference between a start and a beginning is our confirmation class that joined the church today. And we celebrate this publicly, this beginning of their, uh, their being a, a, a public adult member of our church Right? And this started when they were younger, when they were baptized. Their parents brought them here to the church and said, we want to raise them in the faith. 
And so it started when they were much younger, this relationship that we tried to help them grow into a relationship with Jesus. And today we celebrate that as young men, as young women, that, that their, their personal relationship with Jesus has begun. Right? And I think for each of them, it, it began before they walked in the, in the room today. What we did today was a public symbol and a demonstration of their profession of faith in Jesus. But their, their personal relationship with Jesus started somewhere between when they were baptized and when they came up here today. That for them, it, they owned a relationship with Jesus where they began to be in a loving personal relationship where they called Jesus Lord and Savior. And we celebrate that today. What a wonderful beginning. But I don't want to just leave it with the confirmation class. I, I want to challenge all of us to begin to think about where have we started? What have we begun in our personal relationship with God? And I'm guessing that there, we're all over the board on this. There might be people who are here today in person or watching online or listening to our podcast who are hearing about God for the very first time. You might have come with a confirmation family. You, you might have just wandered in or been curious about checking out what's going on in the movie theater. And, and you're hearing the message about Jesus for the very first time. This is a start, right? We're so glad for you. We're so excited. This is, this is a great opportunity to start something that could change your life forever. And so we'd love for you to come back and, and worship with us again. Watch us again online. You know, check us out. Listen to us again. Maybe check out one of our groups. If this is your very first time starting with God, we celebrate with you. And, and we want to do anything that we can to help you grow closer in a relationship with God. And then I'm guessing we've got people who are here who began a relationship with Jesus a long time ago and the relationship is going well. And you love God and, and you celebrate being here and you, you, you worship God, you read the Bible, you pray, you're in a small group, you're serving God out in the world through our church and, and things between you and God are great. And so maybe the beginning that you're looking for is, is what's the beginning of the next chapter with me and God? What, what, what's the next season that God's calling me to? What, what is God calling me to do with my gifts and talents? I might serve God in a different way. What's the next chapter that I need to begin in my relationship with God? Because things are good with me and God, and that's awesome. And, and God is always taking us to that next chapter. And then I'd like to just to address those of us who are here today who we've started a relationship with God, but, but it hasn't begun yet. We're coming and we're checking out worship. Maybe we're in a small group. Maybe we're serving God. Maybe we've been in the church a few weeks. Maybe, maybe we've been in church a few years. And for us, things are okay with God. God's in our head, right? But we, we haven't made the emotional. We haven't made the psychological. We haven't made the commitment to begin a relationship with God to where we don't just give God our, our head. We give God our heart, and we give God our emotions and we say to God, Lord, I, I want to surrender to you. I want to give you my pride. I want to give you my ego. I, I want to give you my heart and soul. God, I am all in. I'm ready to do that. And, and I just, I wonder if some of us might be here today and we're ready to do what the confirmation class did. And that's begin a loving personal relationship with Jesus. And I know for some of us, that's scary. For some of us, we're, we're afraid to look down deep at who we are. We're afraid for God to look at who we are because we're afraid that if God knows who we really are, God's not going to like what he sees there. 
that God's going to say, oh, wow, I didn't realize that you had done that in your life or you hadn't done that in your life. And, and a lot of us are going to feel inadequate that we can't stand up to, to God's scrutiny. And that if God knows about the things that we've done or capable of doing, that there's no way God could love us or, or have planned for us or forgive us or, or anything like that. And so we shy away from beginning a relationship with God. And if you feel that way, that's understandable. We've all probably been there, but that's a misunderstanding of who God is. I think that, that a lot of us sometimes we focus in church and, and Christianity so much on sin, like doing wrong and guilt and shame and death and hell and brokenness, which well, it's all true stuff. We're, we're all distant from God. We all do things against God and each other. We have broken relationships and guilt and shame, but sometimes we focus so much on that that we forget the good news of the grace of Jesus Christ, that God loves us anyway no matter what we've done or what we left undone, that, that we are created in God's image and that's a good thing and God's trying to restore us, to wash us clean and, and clean us up to, to, to have that image shine through again. Right? That, yeah, we have, we've done wrong things, but that Jesus loves us anyway. And because of that, he died on the cross and came back to life, not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but because God wants to give it to us anyway right? Unmerited favor. Jesus loves us. And, and so we can let go of our guilt and we can let go of our shame and, and we can live life to the full now and we can live forever in the kingdom of heaven and we can claim the promises of Jesus, right? Maybe it's time for us to truly sell out to Jesus and let that begin today. To say, God, I'm tired of living without you. I know I've, I've not done it right, Lord, but I'm ready to let it go and to stand before people and say, I have been forgiven. I am set free of guilt and shame. I live in Jesus and Jesus lives in me. Yes, I'm not perfect, but I claim what the scripture says. I'm no longer a sinner. I am a saint, right? A saint doesn't mean we're perfect. It means that we're on God's team. That's what the Bible says. The New Testament says those of us who confess faith in Jesus Christ, we are saints, right? We're not perfect. We still sin, but we're on God's team and we have been redeemed, right? And that we can live forever. I will live forever. I will live life to the full now. This week I had a, a conversation with a grown adult man from our congregation face to face. And he said, Kyle, he said, I appreciate you and the church focusing this year on the passage from John 10, 10 that says, Jesus says, I came to give you life to the full. He's like, I've lived a good life. I, I, I have a good job. I have family relationships. He's like, but until you guys started talking about that, I didn't know what life to the full is. And he's like, now I know, and now I'm living it. He's like, every minute of my life is precious. Every gift, uh, every minute is a gift to me from God. And he's like, I am living life to the full. And I'm so grateful to the church for helping me find out that that's what Jesus called us to live. Brothers and sisters, are you ready to begin living life to the full? Right, right now can be the moment where we not only surrender our brains to God, but our hearts and our pride and our ego and say, Jesus, I am ready to be born again. I'm ready to be saved. I'm ready to be washed clean. I am ready to be a child of God. How many of us have started a relationship with Jesus, but now today is the time for us to begin. And just like the confirmands, this can be our birthday, right? Our birthday with Jesus. I invite you to think about that and pray about that. What neutral zone is God calling you to exit? What have you started that you need to begin right, to complete a transition 
we must begin the new mission. My name is Kyle Thompson. I'm Charlotte, North Carolina, and I play for Jesus Christ. And I'd love for you to join me in that. What have you started that you can begin right now? I invite you to think about that as we pray now. I invite you to think about that as we have our closing song. What have you started that God needs you to begin? Let's pray about that together. Gracious and ever-loving God, we thank you for our confirmation class, Lord. We thank you for the U.S. Olympic hockey team, God, that show us the difference between starting something and beginning something. So, Lord, if we are here today and we have started a relationship with you that we have not yet begun, help us to surrender, to say, God, I believe in you. I want to believe in you, and I'm ready to start living life to the full. I'm ready to look forward to the eternal kingdom of heaven. I'm ready to let go of my guilt and my shame and death and hell. God, I want you to come and live in me right now. God, let this be the beginning of a relationship that will change my eternal destiny. God, we thank you for being with us in transitions. We thank you for giving us transitions. God, give us the courage and the wisdom to move on from starting on to beginning in life with you. In the holy and blessed name of Christ, we pray. Amen.